everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck. I'm along with my co-worker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsport tires for The Athletic, and we are continuing to recap the recently completed NASCAR Cup Series season. We are a couple weeks into the offseason now, although it's, it's sort of like week one for us, Jordan, since we were in Vegas, and that, that took a toll more than uh, most of the well, all the NASCAR races that I went to this year, uh, schedule wise, at least, but, um, have you recovered? Uh, I think I barely recovered. I mean, I finally, I was sleeping hard this week catching up and my body was like, what did you just put me through <laughs> practices till four in the morning, all this kind of stuff. Um, so that was, um, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have that one behind us. And, uh, actually we just, just this morning as we record this, the F1 season wrapped up with yet another max Verstappen win, uh, 19 wins this year out of the 22 races, uh, including 17 out of the last 18 and Red Bull wins 20 of the 21 races. Fortunately, NASCAR was a lot more competitive this year among the teams. And that's what we're here to talk about today. We're going to go team by team and, uh, evaluate how they did this year. So are you ready to dive into it, Jordan? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, it feels like Phoenix in the NASCAR season was completed like six weeks ago. It feels a long way away for me. It doesn't feel like it was just a few weeks ago at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking back, it's it's we're going to go through some numbers that you put together and it's like, wow, OK, um, it's pretty remarkable. We're going to talk kind of organization by organization a little bit. And it's remarkable how the perception of some organizations are maybe a little bit skewed uh, one way or another. And it's going to be interesting to see what you think about that and what we think about the totality of the season in terms of these organizations, because even within some of these teams, there was a lot of juxtapositions of guys who did really well. And then other guys who frankly didn't do well. And it really wasn't like a lot of these organizations. It wasn't like, Oh, they just had a down year. It was like, no, within that organization, somebody had hit it on it and someone didn't. Yeah. And look in, in today's, you know, racing climate, I think whether it's F1 or NASCAR now, especially with, you know, the more, most equal cars we've ever seen across the field. Um, you know, the best way to, to judge a driver's performance in a lot of cases is, is looking at how they did in comparison to their teammates. So, uh, we'll, we'll go dive into that here. So we're, the way we're going to do this is we'll start with the lead driver in the standings. Um, this doesn't mean this was the top team essentially, right? Because, you know, we're not going to say that team Penske was the best team of the year, but Ryan Blaney did win the championship for team Penske. So that is where we will start. Ryan Blaney, obviously, um, first in points, um, his average finish, obviously, you know, we've talked about it, not, uh, not what it was, you know, compared to some of the other top drivers, 14.1, but, um, you know, clearly was the standout on his team. Joey Logano ended up finishing 12th in points, 14.9 average finish. Austin Sindrick all the way down in uh, 24th in points. Yikes. 21.6. Not a good follow-up for him. So, um, obviously, you know, we, we talked a lot about Blaney, but, um, you know, got hot at the right time. You know, you don't hold that against them, but I also, you know, it's like I, I wrote about this on The Athletic this week about, um, you know, NASCAR had their fan choice awards and, uh, the fans named Jonathan Hassler as the crew chief of the year. And I was like, nah, I, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you know, crew chief, you know, look, he helped Blaney at the right time. 
yeah. get hot. They they executed perfectly. They deserved the championship at the end of the season. But crew chief of the year? No way. No. Like that that to me is a no brainer. I don't know how you feel about this, but to me that's Rudy Fugel. It I that's who I picked, Rudy Fugel. Yeah, Byron like, led in wins, yeah, top fives, top tens. Mm-hmm. He was uh, average finish and mm-hmm. second in laps led. Yeah. And I mean, he's my driver of the year too. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know how you've voted that, but it, to me, I, we, we've talked about this, I kind of feel we do this year end show is like, you have to separate the champion from the driver of the year because it's not, it's no longer one and the same. And while Blaney is a worthy champion and like Byron for the totality of his season, all 36 races, like he's, he's, he's the guy. Like, and I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's that close. I mean, I think Larson's number two, but I think there's a pretty good gap there between them. And uh, yeah, I don't know how you don't vote what Rudy did with that team and really with the steps they took. I, it's, that surprises me. Well, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, look, it's, it's the fan choice words. So they can vote for whoever they want, but I, uh, you know, we, we can agree to disagree there. Um, so Logano, you know, he was, the, he was hoping to have the playoffs that, that Blaney did, um, ended up not being able to do that. And 12th in points for him is, is, uh, that's not what you're looking for coming off a championship season. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of his year. Um, you know, he, he did win a race, but 12th in points for him is the lowest since 2017. Uh, when he finished 17th in points, missed the playoffs. Um, his average finish was his lowest since that year as well. So it just wasn't the year he's really looking for. It, I, I, interestingly enough, Jordan, Logano ends up with the exact same amount of top fives and top tens that he had last year, just mm-hmm. with three less wins and one less championship. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm sure he's looking for a rebound next year. Yeah, and, and you've compared his stats to Ryan Blaney's. They're not too dissimilar. I mean, the the wins is the one that really jumps out to you, and that was the difference is Logano last year – was able to overcome the deficiencies they had. They, they hit on something come the playoffs. And this year they weren't able to do that. The team that hit on it was the 12th team in the, in the Penske group, not the 22. And it's overall, they really were a victim of the Ford struggles this year, you know, uh, finding consistency on intermediate tracks a little bit. And it wasn't there for them. And it's, you know, this feels like I was kind of looking at the numbers a little bit. We haven't had a monster Joey Logano season in a while, and that says that that's really weird because he just won the championship last year. And again, you you, you kind of you got to look at it differently. But when have we had last time when Joey Logano, you know, was leading the series in wins and laps led, or one of the series leaders? And it's been a while. Now, there's something to be said for the fact that he goes out, wins races every year, and is in contention. And he's one of those guys you just kind of know is going to be in the mix. But it just feels like. This team isn't to where they haven't leveled up to where they should be at on a consistency basis. And that continued this year a little bit. Um, there was glimmers of it during the beginning of the year, but overall um, it, it just wasn't there for them the way they needed it to be. So the other member of that team, uh, Austin Sindrick, uh disappointing sophomore season for him after he obviously won the Daytona 500 last year. Um, his average finish declines by more than five spots. Um, so that's, you know, you're not only just not sort of seeing progress, but going backwards, it felt like backwards. And he also only had 20 lead lap finishes, which only three full-time cup drivers had fewer than that amount of lead lap finishes. So 
that's not that's not uh, what he's looking for. However, you know, he he did feel like uh, you know talking to him at Phoenix, he made some progress toward the end of the year. They they felt like they were going in the in a better direction. But twenty uh, fourth in points as your teammate wins the championship is not something that is going to be uh, sustainable for, for him. No, and what Austin did last year in his rookie year, and I think people overlooked this, is he had a really, really great, consistent rookie year. And even the Daytona 500 win aside, like week in and week out, he was running in the top 15. Points-wise, he was in a good position. This year, they weren't able to do it. And we've talked a lot about the Ford problems and everything, and that's fine. But that doesn't excuse – you you can still run well on super speedways and you should still be able to muster good consistent finishes on road courses and i know he had a few top 10s this year coda um and in uh, chicago for example but you expect more out of him on these road courses right you expect to see him be like an aj allmendinger who even though aj's with a team that isn't to the level they need to be at still goes out and performs and gets a win there's no reason that Austin Sindrick can't do that on road courses, even with all of the other issues, and it just wasn't there for him this year. Um, there, there's no way to look at it other than that this was a really disappointing year. And while he is certainly not in a dry – I don't want to look we – we're not trying to look too far ahead of 2024 here, but he is certainly somebody that you look at in the next season. Like, you you expect more out of him, and you need to see more out of him. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next team in the standings, which would be, um, Hendrick motorsports, their drivers finished second and third in points. And then two of their drivers obviously missed the playoffs. Um, you know, and went winless. That's the thing. Like that's true. Yeah. Their other two drivers went winless. Yeah. That, that is a big one. Um, and it's not like, I mean, you know, yes, Elliot missed seven races, but he was still there for 29 races and didn't win. Bowman was still there for 33 races and didn't win. Um, and the and the the disparity within the team there is is pretty big for a, a top team. I mean, again, we talked about Byron. You know, leads the the series in average finish um, with an eleven point zero. Bowman's average finish was seventeen point two, um, and and that's just not gonna that's not gonna cut it there. Elliot actually had a better average finish uh, by a pos- a position and a half than Larson. Elliot was 13.1 average finish, just, you know, couldn't get the, couldn't get the wins, but Larson and Byron tied it for the series lead in, in top fives. And then Larson led the series in laps led and Byron was second. So those were the two, you know, top teams easily at Hendrick. Um, you know, it, it, Elliot was really optimistic though at Phoenix, at least going into that race where he talked about, he felt like he was in a much better position leaving this season than they were last year, even though he had had a successful year last year, so to speak. So, um, he's hopeful to obviously turn things around, but, um, Bowman, you know, you could look at his back and all that stuff, uh, probably affected him, but he's, he's really got to, um, he's got to make some gains next year for, for sure. Yeah. It's Hendrick to me is the hardest team to gauge because there's such a gap there between what Byron and Kyle Larson were able to do not, you know, and amid, amid the wins and everything else, but the consistency, I mean, arguably the five and the 24 were the two most consistent teams this year, or at least they're, you know, if you want to throw Denny Hamlin in that mix or two of the three most, right. And maybe the 19 and what they were able to do on a weekly basis, regardless of the track was impressive. And then the, and that's great. And they almost won the championship. But then you look at what Elliott did, and Elliott 
was really good. Like his average finish is really impressive, but he didn't win. And he only the most laps he led in a race this year were 83 at Martinsville in the fall. That jumped out to me was that this team, while they were finishing races well, they weren't running races well. They weren't putting them in a position to get stage points. They weren't leading a bunch of laps. They weren't a fixture up front. They had there was a lot of they were start off races kind of out of the ballpark a little bit and then had to make that car better. I mean, how many times this year do we see Chase Lately go to a race, qualify well, win, you know, be in the mix to win stages, get a bunch of stage points, and be in the mix at the end of the race? It didn't happen too often this year. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of in the camp of just chalking up. You know, it was just one of those years. Everything that could go wrong for the nine team, it went wrong. And they still, at the end of the day, they still made the most of it. And they still had a really good average finish. And it is what it is. And you'll learn from this. And Ryan Blaney is a perfect example of you don't necessarily need to pull the alarm bell because you can go from being winless to a champion. And the, the everything is there. But they need to figure out what is missing, though, because this isn't just a 2023 thing. This is a this goes back further than that to even 2022. Uh, when their last win, if you would say, on a natural track came at Nashville um, in, in June of that year because Pocono was handed to them because of the DQ, um, and then they won a race at Talladega, which is a super speedway. That's a long stretch for this team, and there's other underlining issues there. I'm not concerned about it, but I'm curious about it. It makes me raise my eyebrow, and they need to figure that out this offseason. Um, but I think their average finish is is proof and indication that they're in a good spot at least, and the foundation is there, and they're going to be okay. Bowman, I'm not sure what to make a Bowman season. It's like a tale of two seasons, right? Because if you look at pre-injury, he was leading the point standings. He mm-hmm. had the best average finish. Like He looked like, wow, this is – this is Alex Bowman kind of really coming into his own and making that big step we kind of were looking for him to make. And then he gets hurt. Then you get the penalty and everything else. And it just – he was not that same. The team was not the same. And so you almost kind of want to write it off and say, listen, that back injury, we've heard other drivers who've had it have said it, it, it impacts you more than you know. You lose the feel, you know, your sensation of how you the race car is supposed to handle. And I get that. Um, Hendrick, when Bowman did come back, was not the same organization either. They weren't the world beaters. That said, though, the five and the 24 still figured it out, and the 48 didn't. Um, you know, I, I don't know. This is a team that I, I'm glad we're not putting letter grades on them because I would have to think long and hard of what letter grade to give. It's almost like you have to give two different grades. Interesting, Chase Elliott stat before we wrap up that conversation. <clears throat> so, he had seven top fives in 29 races. So how many more, if let's say he had run those other seven races, Jordan, how many mm-hmm. more top fives would he have gotten out of those seven races that he ran? Maybe two, two three. or three. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I'm thinking. So even if he had two or three more top fives, it is still the lowest number of his career. His rookie season, yeah. he had 10 top fives. That is the lowest number of his career. However, the top tens, you know, he had 15 top tens. So let's say he runs seven more races or whatever. Maybe he gets five of those are top tens, yeah. let's say. Okay. Well, that puts him right about where he has been in top tens. So it's like he had the top 10 speed, but not the top five and not the winning speed. So, you know, they were probably a six to 10th place team a lot of weeks. That That's kind of what that tells me, I, I feel like. Yeah, and I think that's a fair. And it's just they just were missing that last little bit to elevate them from that 
fifth, sixth range to being a bona fide title contender. Um, I think they're going to be fine. It'll be interesting. You know the spotlight's going to be on Gustafson next year, which is going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Our next team is Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, they had one driver make the championship four after it looked like for a while. Hey, could they have like three? I mean, the the two yeah. drivers out of that that we thought was going to make the championship four that were you know we were the most sure about didn't make it. Christopher Bell ended up making it. Um, however, you know when you look at Christopher Bell's stats, um, he his stats weren't as good as Denny Hamlin's. I mean, Denny Hamlin had uh, one more win than Bell. He had four more top fives. He had the same number of top tens. He led way more laps and he had a better average. Hundred more laps. Yep. Yep. So. Um, you know, Truex, obviously, we, we talked at, at length about the way he completely dropped off. He only finishes 11th in points after winning the regular season title, which is just a stunning, stunning drop off. Uh, he had two completely different seasons. Um, and then you have, you know, I, I think I think you could say you, you mentioned earlier, Larson was sort of the second best of the year. You could you could make an argument for Hamlin being in that sure. conversation. Um, and then Ty Gibbs, I mean, you know, again, for a rookie that was really, I mean, that, that was a really good season, really solid season, 18th in points. Um, you know, the, the next best driver aside from Chase Elliott to, to not make the playoffs. Um, you know, he, he had four top fives, 10 top tens. He had that great Bristol performance. Um, you know, so if he's not a rookie, you know, he's, he's probably in the playoffs, you know, putting together much, much better results. But, um, overall, you know, I think, Hey, I mean, you could, you can make an argument here for Joe Gibbs as the best team of the year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, overall, absolutely. I mean, Martin Truex Jr. wins the regular season title. Hamlin is one of the most consistent teams all season long. Um, Bell is, is kind of a weird thing to kind of look at because at one point he was the points leader during the regular season and then kind of fell off. We didn't get that breakout year. I think we were expecting from him, but then again, come the playoffs, he makes a championship four, so it's hard to be critic, too critical there. And Ty Gibbs was really impressive. Um, he's everything what you want to see out of a rookie. Got continually better as the year went along. Didn't make a ton of mistakes. Um, and the big thing with Ty this year was he wasn't really involved in any of the extracurricular stuff. You know, we, we talked a lot about the maturity issues with him, how he was going to able to adapt to running, you know, in the Cup Series full time, and was he going to be able to, you know, keep his temper and all these other things in check, and largely. Yeah, I mean, there's some moments here and there, but he did a really good job of that. And I think what Toyota did this year with with him and how they kind of and Joe Gibbs and how they helped Ty put him in a position to be successful, um, it, it showed and it worked. And now he's going to have to continue to make that steps. I, I it's hard not to think that Joe Gibbs Racing is the team of the year overall when you look at all four of these teams because three of the four won. Ty Gibbs was a rookie, so you kind of give him a free pass there. Um, the five and then the 19 and the 11 weren't in their own, they're another level this year. Um, the 20 was in the mix. Uh, they, they were really good. And you almost to the point of, you almost feel like they kind of let the championship get away from them a little bit. Like if Denny would have gotten to Phoenix, maybe he would have been in them, you know, he would have had a shot to win it. And certainly the way the playoffs unfolded for Truex, that's it. That that's going to be a hard to swallow, and it's hard not to think that they really let one get away. And, you know, not saying they're going to win the championship, but just at least be in the conversation. And it just they never really were. It was always they're on their back foot scrambling. 
Um, yeah, but overall, I think they have a lot to be happy about. And I would even say they left some, probably some wins on the table too. Um, you know, they, they, you know, both Denny, all three, three of those four drivers won multiple races and you could argue that they probably should have won more. Hendrick, um, has a, a lower or, or worse average finish by a little bit than JGR, but Hendrick did win two more races than yep. JGR. It's weird to see a, a team lead in wins with only 10 wins where wasn't it, uh, didn't somebody win what 18, 19 a couple years ago, uh, Joe Gibbs, not too long ago. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but yeah. Yeah. They won more than half the race in the season. Didn't they? One of those years. Yeah, I think that was about 2019 yeah. thereabouts. So, um, then it's off to 2311, which you wouldn't think would be the next team on this list, except that Tyler Reddick just had a, you know, a really great playoffs after we didn't trust him at all during the regular season. Um, so many mistakes and they, they were able to put it together, you know, um, finished six in points. Um, he ends up with a 15.7 average finish and Bubba ends up top 10 in points as well, uh, with a 15.9 average finish. So they were, they actually ran you know, they have very similar stats. Um, in, in some ways, um, obviously Reddick won a couple races. Um, and then more top fives too. Yeah. He doubled the number of top fives as Bubba. Um, but you know, when you look at it as a whole, you say, Hey, 2311 gets both cars into the top 10 in points, you know, both cars in the playoffs. Um, it's like, okay, well, you know, as a look, st- taking a step back, you're like, well, it's not mm-hmm. I mean, for a team. It's still building. It's fairly decent. I, I mean, I would think. I was really impressed what I saw at 2311 this year. Um, this is a team that is, is trying to make strides. And if you compare them to other new teams, kind of in that same ilk, right? The colleagues of the world, the track house of the world, those other two organizations either kind of plateaued or took a step back and 2311 went forward. And what Reddick did speaks for itself, two wins this year, deep playoff run, really showed while I think we all agree that he's got championship level talent. And if 2311 can continue to grow, there's an opportunity there for him to become an elite level driver. I was impressed with him. And I think that team, you know, despite leaving a lot of points and a lot of wins on the table, they have a lot to be proud of this year. And I think going through that is going to help them going forward a little bit too and saying, hey, listen, we get our ducks in a row and we stop shooting ourselves in a, on the foot. We can do a lot of great things here. And I'll say this, I, I thought Bubba Wallace was really impressive this year. Um, you know, he he really matured into a well-rounded driver. This isn't a driver who's just really good on a handful of racetracks. This is a guy who largely week in and week out, and I'll even throw road courses in there, you can kind of count on him to be good. And you knew that he was going to have an opportunity to finish in the top 10. The the one caveat, of course, is the top fives. Um, Reddick doubled that up in the top fives. And the, the, the 23 team did not do a good job of finishing races. They did a good job of running well in races. They did a great job of getting stage points. They did not finish races well. They often would backslide a little bit. They couldn't always keep up with the racetrack, and that hurt them a little bit. And then the lack of wins. Um, you know, it's it's the consistency was there from this team. They maybe should have won some races this year. Taldega comes to mind. They were in the mix of Kansas, uh, Texas. You got to win. Um, the speed was there. You got to figure out a way to get to the victory lane. And that's what this team needs to do next is not just win a race. They need to win multiple races. But really overall for 2311, I, I, this this to me was probably the most overall impressive organization um, from top to bottom considering what they did. 
So here's a crazy stat for you. So obviously, when as we're doing this podcast, by the way, we're constantly looking at racing reference, the the best best website out there. Oh my gosh, I don't so, know what I do without it. As I pull up Tyler Reddick's career stats and Bubba Wallace's career stats to compare how they did the last year, year over year, all this mm-hmm. stuff, right? I notice this. Last year, both Reddick and Bubba had only 19 lead lap finishes. This year, they both had 28 lead lap finishes. They both had the exact same number year to year and the exact same gain. They both had nine more lead lap finishes than they did last year. So they took a lot more, you know, they probably reduced their mistakes a lot, right? Yep. Um, and they also had very, very, very consistent years. Now, obviously, Bubba's was at the same team, right? He, but he had both both last year and this year, five top fives, 10 top tens. But his average finish jumped up a lot. And part part of that is more lead lap finishes, more finishing races, you know, less DNFs. Reddick obviously went from RCR to 23-11, but he had the exact same number of top fives. He had one more top 10, and his average finish went up by two spots, again, because he finished more races, uh, had five fewer DNFs than last year. So, you know, th- they that's a sign of maturity, I think, when you're probably taking what it gives you more than trying to, to press at times or, you know, launch yourself into mistakes. And if they can get their, you know, speed to continue to improve, I think 2311 should be in a good spot based on what I'm, I'm seeing there with those stats. Let's talk about RFK. What a big jump that that team took this year. Wow. Did um, anybody see this coming, by the way? Well, I picked them as my most disappointing team going into the I year. I forgot about that. So, so the answer's I, no for you then. <laughs> I obviously did not see that coming. Um, they end up finishing seventh and eighth in points. And despite you thinking, well, they pretty much ran together all year. And, and again, even the seventh and eighth in points would indicate that. Um, but Busher had a, a decisively better season, uh, let alone the three, three wins to zero with Kozlowski. But um, he had two more top fives. He had one more top 10, but he had uh his average finish was 2.3 spots higher. Yeah. So, second overall. Yeah. I mean, Busher really had a, a great season. The fans, the fans voted him as the, um, the most improved driver of the year, which I think is a fair thing, but I actually picked, um, if I was going to be voting in that category, I would pick Byron because Byron had such a breakout season, uh, compared to his, where I, I feel like Busher RFK, overall improved and busher rode that up with rfk now busher definitely improved um i mean he was great breakout season for him but i feel like um byron with the relatively same equipment took such a big step himself but that said you can't take anything away from from busher especially when you look at (laughs) check this number out his average finish last year 17.9 and as we mentioned this year 12.1 so 5.8 position improvement on average finish in one year um, triples the number of top fives he had last year and adds seven top tens to his total. Uh, obviously a career year by by every metric. Uh, but Kozlowski was was uh, much improved too. Kozlowski went, his average uh, finish went up almost five spots. It, it really, really impressive what RFK did. And... Well, you could have made a case for Brad or Chris, one of them kind of making the playoffs, you know, whether they you know point their way in or whether they get a win somewhere along the way. 
to to do what they did for both of them to make the playoffs and on merit. And it was like they backed in or anything like that. And to consistently perform the level they did, it blows my mind because I, this was not something that anybody saw coming. It, there really wasn't. Maybe you can go back to last, you know, in 2022 and you say, oh, you know, Chris won it. Bristol and Brad was fast in that race, but they just consistency wise, they didn't have the speed and that they were able to do this, by the way, despite all of the issues we've talked about with Ford and how Ford is struggling on intermediate racetracks and short tracks. Well, guess what? Chris won an intermediate at Michigan. He won on a short track at, 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 at Richmond and it, it didn't really seem to, to, to hurt them. They figured it out. They overcame that. Um, you know, Chris has got three more wins and Brad didn't have any, you know, Brad should have won this year. Like he had ample opportunity and he just honestly, just sometimes it's kind of bad break. You just, you you know, right. He put himself in the right spot. It just didn't kind of go his way. Daytona at the end of the regular season comes to mind. Um, he was really fast at Richmond, uh, second Atlanta. He had a really fast race car and was controlling that race. And then mother nature and fuel and everything kind of, you know, intertwined there. Um, you go back to first Atlanta, you know, that great duel with Joey Logano. Like he was just in the mix at these races. And that's what you have to do. So impressive with what they did this year. Curious to see what they can do for next year, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but I, you can't look at what they did this year and just not say, wow, A plus. I mean, that it is truly an A plus effort all around, A plus performance. And it's it's kudos to them because again. I, what you wrote at the beginning of the year, I, I don't think was a was a it was a popular sentiment. You know, a lot of people didn't see that. No one saw this coming. Yeah, and and you know, I think if Brad can get up there again and be the Brad that we know is he's capable of doing, because he's still you know, he's he's not over the hill by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's still in his prime. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he he just did have his age thirty nine season this year, which as our friend David Smith has noted is, is who now works for RFK is that's the driver's, you know, peak performance. You know, obviously this wasn't the peak performance for Brad. He, he did take a step up, but um, you know, I feel like he's still got a couple great years left to win some races. Now it's, it's, you know, he's gone back to back seasons now without a win since joining RFK, but certainly a huge, huge step up um, in, in competition level. Um, so We'll see if they can continue to improve there. The The next team in the standings is Ross Chastain and Trackhouse because he's he was ninth. Daniel Suarez, his teammate, 19th. Mm. And obviously there was a, a pretty big disparity there between those two. Um, so just looking at the numbers, though, you look at Chastain and you say, well, you know, he he – vastly outran his teammate, but Chastain also really took a step back. Um, you know, yes, he won. He ended up winning two races, Nashville and Phoenix, which he, he won two races last year. So you could say, okay, well, ultimately it's not that bad, but he had five fewer top fives, seven fewer top tens. Um, his average finish went down 1.7 spots and, you know, Suarez. Yes. We talk about the drop off, but, he had three fewer top fives, three fewer top tens. Um, his average finish though, did go down a full two and a half spots. So, um, and he obviously didn't win and he, he just wasn't the factor that we thought he was going to be. I think track as a whole took somewhat of a step back. It's, it's 
unclear how much because, you know, they obviously started off really well, then they disappeared for a while there. Um, and, you know, Chastain had a decent playoffs at least and obviously wins the season finale, becomes the first driver uh, to be not in the championship four and win the finale in this format. But, you know, what what do you make of this season? Like, I, I just don't really know how to evaluate it for them. I, I don't because on one hand, Ross Chastain led the point standings for seven weeks. He was in the mix. He won two races, which is the same number he won the year before. Um, he was certainly in contention for other victories this year, but they, there was definitely a fade. I mean, really, let's just, I'm just going to, I don't think there's any way else to use it, but let's just say Darlington after Darlington in the spring, that one team was very different. They didn't have the same level of consistency. They certainly didn't have the same level of performance and they, they were, they were not in the conversation anymore. I think that they were able to figure out what was kind of their issues and get better in the playoffs and show performance and then win at Phoenix, I think was huge for them. I think Ross winning at Phoenix is a nice reminder of, Hey, you know, yeah, this didn't go the way we wanted to, but we're still, we still have something here. We're still good and we're going to figure this out. And I think that was a nice reminder and it was much needed. Um, I'm not too concerned with where this team is going right now. I think they're in a good spot, but um, the 99, it was tough. I mean, cause you can't look at the one and then compare it to the 99 there. They were, they were night and day difference at times. And it was frustrating. I know for Suarez and he kind of alluded to it at the end of the year. He maybe felt like he wasn't getting the same level of attention that Chastain was and everything like that. Understandable. And that, that can happen within teams. But you also got to figure it out, and you've got to go out and capitalize. And the too many times this year that 99 team had races where they would make mistakes and cost themselves better finishes than they deserve. And that that can't happen. And that's been kind of, frankly, the that's been what Schwarz has been throughout his career in the Cup Series. And and that's what the 99 teams that they've, they've started up as Trackhouse has been, where they have moments where they're like, wow, this team is, this team is somebody to look at. And then other weeks, they just keep taking a shotgun to their foot. And it happens too often. Um, the consistency that you want to see out of that team isn't there. This is a really hard team to judge overall, but I, you can, because you can make a case for either way. Um, so it, it's hard to say, but compared to where they were in 2022, I, I, they certainly took a step back because they, you know, 2022, both those guys won races. Both those guys were in the playoffs. And this year, only one of those guys won races. Only one of them won the playoffs. And Chastain went from finishing runner-up in the championship to, you know, being bounced. You know, when you look at the average finish by team, the average, um, you know, obviously it's it's it, it's a little bit unfair because, um, you know, some drivers have more cars and all that stuff. But even with Austin Sindrick at Penske having a really rough year, Penske's overall average finish among its three drivers was better than Trackhouse's. Mm-hmm. So Trackhouse, essentially, they rank sixth in average finish among teams. Um, that is not what we thought of them yeah. going into the year. It still remains to be seen, you know, the whole... I don't think we ever got a firm, conclusive answer on what happened with... How how much the, the Darlington incident affected Chastain... Um, you know, talking to Hendrick and, you know, getting sort of a public rebuke from, from Justin Marks. 
it, it seemed like it was coincidence in so many ways because that doesn't just affect an entire team's performance to drop off like that. But thought that there was an interesting quote from Ross Chastain in the Phoenix press conference at the end of the year where, you know, there was maybe somewhat revealing. I don't know. So this is what, this is what he said just to, to read this here. Um, talking about Justin Marks through all the stuff he stayed with us. There was definitely public stuff that I wouldn't have said, but he's my boss and he gets to say it. He owns the team. I got to be the employee at that point as an independent contractor. I have to listen to what he says. If I want to drive the car, you all got to watch that. You all got to watch me learn through that process. Um, so maybe there is, you know, there, I, I felt like a lot of the season was like, no, nah, that had nothing to do with, you know, the performance dropping off, but maybe there was a little bit of something there where it's like, well, there's something to it. I don't know. Uh, but even subconsciously, like as you're getting called out by your boss publicly by rival, you know, hall of fame, car owner, Rick Hendrick, you've got other drivers taking shots at you and questioning you and Jeff Gordon and hall of famer questioning you and all of this stuff. How even subconsciously does that not impact you? How does it not say, well, I mean, I gotta, I gotta modify this a little bit because and I would think it did. But that degree. doesn't make your car go from fifth to fifteenth, does it? No, I mean, and they no, not fifth to fifteenth. But there's a, you know, it's a contributing factor, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think there's part of it. I think Trackhouse took a took a step back performance wise after, let's just say, starting the summer. They, their cars certainly weren't the same. Um, and you factor that in, you factor in that Chevy, which got off to a, a blazing hot start. Remember, it felt like Chevy was going to win everything at one point. And then Toyota and Ford certainly made gains. And so that's part of it. And then you factor in like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of doing a little bit things differently now. And I'm being a little bit more mindful. Like you start adding all this together. You can see why this is the case. And, you know, is it? it's very easy for me to sit there and say, you know, if, if I'm track house, I want Ross Chastain to cook. If you need to go out there and you need to piss everybody off because that's how you're a good driver, but you're going to give me wins and everything else, then great. But there's, there is a bigger picture here and it would be, it would, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I don't know if we'll ever really have an answer for it because it might not be something you can quantify and say, Hey, this is how things change. It just, it might be one of those subconscious things. The next team is surprisingly Stuart Haas racing that we're talking about them before RCR before front row. Um, but you know, that's all because of Kevin Harvick. Cause we're going by the lead yeah, driver like, in the standings. I feel like there should be like two, we should like, we should like separate <laughs> Stuart Haas, but there's Kevin Harvick, Stuart Haas. And then there's the other three Stuart Haas, because it is just such a, a juxtaposition between the two. Yeah. I mean, Harvick finishes 13th in points, which is feels like an overachievement. Um, I think you could put Rodney Childers in the conversation for crew chief of the year in some ways because sure. <laughs> of what they did this year. Um, but you know, so his average finish was, was 14.7, right? And, and again, finished 13th in points. Next driver in the points for, for Stuart Haas was Eric Almirola 22nd <laughs> with a 19.6 average uh. finish. Then you go to, down to Ryan priest in 23rd with a 20.8 chase Briscoe, you know, his, his season was heavily impacted by a penalty, but he finishes 30th in points with a 20.3 average finish. Uh, even, even so like Almirola still ends up with an average finish better than Chase Briscoe. So he would have been right in that mix anyway, probably 21st, 22nd, 23rd in points, but Harvick clearly, clearly led the way. Um, and you know, in his final season, 
for, for a guy at his age, I mean, um, pretty decent results. Obviously he didn't win, but, um, he ends up, and again, his team was way down, but, uh, you know, he, his average finish only went down by 0.4. Still, it was the worst average finish he had since 2009. Um, he had 14 top tens, which was the worst since 2012, um, six top fives, which was also the worst since 2012. So again, you know, it's not the way he wanted to end it, but he, he at least ran competitively where aside from his teammates having a couple times where you're like, Whoa, you know, they pop oh, yeah. up there. Flashes. And, yeah. Um, here, maybe they could win this. Um, and then they end up not doing it. Um, you know, Stuart Haas, just a miserable, absolutely miserable year for them. Miserable year, and and kudos to the four team. They ran for the regular season. They ran much of the regular season top five in points, which despite all of the issues that they've had, that the four team was able to go do that. Yes, Rodney deserves consideration to put, you know, he's a nominee for crew chief of the year, right? He's certainly in that discussion. And, and Kevin showed his ability, what he could do. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a little, I don't know, sad is not the right word maybe, but it's the only word I can think of. It would have been nice. It would have been fitting if Harvick would have had a, a, a great car speed-wise and what he would have been able to do because you certainly could look at the numbers and say, that's the guy that could have won a race or two this year for sure and been in the conversation in the playoffs, and it didn't happen. And then come the playoffs, it just felt like this team ran out of steam. It, was, it felt like once Darlington happened and that win got away from them, it was just like that that put a pin in their balloon. They were out of the playoffs. And, you know, at that point, the attention kind of focused elsewhere. And then Rodney kind of said that as much too. Like, you know, like, hey, we don't care about getting to the championship four. We, we just want to win races. And it's frustrating. But there is – it's really hard to pick apart what that four team did. They, they deserve all of the credit in the world for being better – for for being given ingredients that weren't the best, they sure made a pretty damn good tasty recipe. Um, and then the the fourteen, the forty one, and the ten, like I don't know what to tell you. Like, and they are what they are. It's like, like you said, Jeff. I think you summed it best. Like they would have these races out of Martinsville where you're like, hey man, this team has kind of figured it out. Like you know, and and then other weeks they would just be out to launch. They were just there was no consistency. There's no performance. There really wasn't much of a silver lining you can look at and say, okay. Yeah, they're, they're, this team is headed in the right direction. Maybe you could say a little bit with Briscoe, um, who seemed to got better as the year went on, but after, especially after the crew chief change. But this was just a lost year for this team. And it's there's a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty surrounding this organization. And they, you know, who knows what the future, I mean, who knows what all that's going to sort out. But just performance-wise, like, they have got to get better. Like, they cannot continue to run like this. And there's no reason them, for them to. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it just felt like even as the other Ford teams got better, they never were able to, you know, no. RFK wins, okay? You know, it's like, oh, and all the four, you know, even I think Blaney at the time said, or, you know, later said, hey, we, we saw what RFK started to do, and we thought, okay, well, maybe the – maybe Ford's overall aren't as bad and we can go to work and find something here. Then Penske rises up and wins the championship uh, mm -hmm. after RFK had gotten hot. Right. So it's like the other Ford team. And then you just kept waiting, you know, surely Harvick, you know, he's going to have this great moment. And I, I thought it was going to be Phoenix. Right. I mean, he did lead laps at Phoenix, Yeah. but I thought maybe this is the time. And, and it just, they just never quite got there. Um, tough, 
tough year, uh, tough way to go out for for uh, for him in his last season. You would you just wonder. Let's say they had had, you know, not even not even in Stuart Haas's best season, but just an average season for Stuart Haas. Harvick would have gotten that moment where he he's won races. Uh, maybe he's, he's made a championship four run. Um, it would have just been so much more rewarding, but just bad timing with the team as a whole being down. Yes. And they, they've had these issues for a while now and they still haven't been able to figure it out. And that's concerning. The next team on our list is Kyle Busch and Richard Childress racing only finishes 14th in points, which was a disappointing playoff run for them. But you know, he did win three races so you're like, okay, well, you know, the, at least they had the, a good start to the season. When you look at Kyle Busch's numbers overall, um, they were a step up from his final year at Joe Gibbs Racing. He won two more races than he did in his last year at JGR. He had two more top fives. He had the same number of top tens, and he had a better average finish. Um, however, in his final year at JGR, he finishes 13th in points, this year 14th. Um, still not the, the Kyle Busch of old, but again, if you go to a team in your first year, if you would have said, you know, in, in our team by team preview that we did, uh, earlier this season in, in January to get ready for the year, um, if you would have said, Hey, Kyle Busch wins three races, you would have said successful year, no matter what. Right. I mean, so, uh, now the problem is his teammate, Austin Dillon, I picked Austin Dillon to make the playoffs this year. Because I thought Kyle Busch is going to come there. He's going to elevate the organization. Dylan's going to run better because of that. Dylan had just an absolutely miserable year. Yes, he had a penalty. Uh, he did say that that penalty contributed to him um, starting to press way too much. Um, he said it at Phoenix. He said, quote, we tried to double down and make up some of those points. And I started getting in wrecks. Some things in my control, some things out of it. And then we just had times when we weren't good. Um, he had the worst average finish of his career. He had a series leading 10 DNFs all due to crashes. And, uh, it just, just miserable. He had only one top five all season, uh, 29th in points. Again, part of that, a 60 point penalty, but a lot of it to the, to the DNF. So, uh, quite the tale of two drivers there that are at RCR this year. It is. And there's not much to say about Dylan. You, you touched on it all. The 10 DNFs is, is a number that has to get better. Um, and this team just never really got its footing. It felt like at the beginning of the year, they kind of had some setbacks and you thought, okay, you can get through this. You'll be okay. And they just never were able to write the ship. And, and as Dylan said, it, it felt like they just pressed. And once it got into kind of a win, we need to win now mode. It just, it really put this team in a, in a mode where they were making mistakes and Dylan was put himself in bad spots and 10 racks, you cannot have 10 DNFs all due to crashes. That's just a number that, that you cannot expect to be in the conversation for anything positive. If that's the case, he's a better driver than this. Um, he, that team is better than this. I'm curious to see how they bounce back. Kyle Bush, you just said that before the year, Hey, you're going to go to RCR. You're going to win three races. He hasn't won that number of many races, I think since his title year in 2019. Um, so that was impressive and he did a good job and he fit in nicely there. There was a lot of questions about what it was going to be like over there. How was he going to adapt? How was RCR going to adapt to him? How was he going to adapt to RCR? And it, honestly, by all accounts, hand in glove, peanut butter and jelly, like they, they no issues, like no issues. Like he, it's a good fit for everybody. He won races. 
you know, but the thing that needs to get better is Kyle need and what really prevented them from having even a better year. Too many mistakes, particularly from the driver. And Kyle has said this, this car does not suit his driving style. He's has a hard time getting comfortable with it. And he, he, he cost himself potentially good finishes several times this year because of mistakes. Uh, Michigan, Loudon come to mind. Texas was another one. Um, you got to eliminate that. You basically kind of got to take, if you got to, you can't try to push too hard in this car. We have seen what happens when you do. You sometimes just got to take what gives you. And Bush is going to have to get better at that. But again, I don't care about the points finish and everything like that. I look at the fact that for a good stretch of this year, they were, you know, top three, top four in points. They did a really good job. Um, They had the kind of the first year you wanted to see out of this team where you look at this and say, Hey, you know what? This is going to work. This did work. And we going forward, we've got something to build off of here. Well, you might've answered the question because you're talking about the year as a whole, but this is, this is a really interesting one to me. And I don't know exactly where I land on this as I'm asking it. So a big preseason question was who will have the better year with their new team, Tyler Reddick or Kyle Busch, right? Because it was not a straight swap, but you know, Bush was taking over Reddick's ride. Reddick was going to Toyota you know, again, not, not at JGR, but you know, he was getting into an opportunity similar to, to what Kyle Busch had. So who was going to have the better year, right? Kyle Busch ends up winning three races to Reddick's two. They have the exact same amount of top fives, 10 each. Kyle Busch has just one more top 10, 17 to 16. And his average finish was very close. Kyle Busch was 15.0 Reddick 15.7. Um, Reddick ends up leading, um, a couple hundred more laps and Reddick ends up sixth in the points where yeah. Kyle Busch was 14th because of the playoffs. So who had the better year? I, I think it's Reddick and I think it's because of the laps led. I, I think that's the difference to me. If everything else is close, the one statistic that really isn't is the laps led. The 470 laps led that Reddick had was the difference um, both teams left a lot of points on the table this year, um, left finishes. They, they sometimes made too many mistakes, but I really, and I will say this to me, Reddick and that 45 team got significantly better as the year went along. The eight team of Kyle Bush seemed to kind of get hot early and ride it. They got their thir- they got three wins in the first, what, 15 races or something like that. And then from there, let's just see after he won at gateway, how many times is Kyle Busch in the mix for a win? How many times we talk about him as a contender? Um, it was a tale of, you know, they, they were two different directions. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to give it to Reddick just because he got better at the end of the year and he certainly let a, he, he let a fair number, number of laps more. I'm going to give it to Bush sort of for the reasons oh. you laid out right before you totally reverse course on me here. You talked about how, how good he was in the start of the year and, you know, was running top two, top three at times and, he had one more win. He had a better average finish. He had the same number of top fives and he had one, one more top 10. So except for the laps led, he has the edge in every category. So therefore, even though the playoffs switch this up, I think as a whole better year overall, I, I would give the nod to Kyle Busch there. Even so, with him going out early in the playoffs. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, he he didn't have the the as good of a last ten races, but 
I'm talking uh, overall who had the better year. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it's how, it's how much do you, do you want to put stock in the playoffs? I guess I, I, I don't know. Um, all right. So now we are on to let's see, where are we? Oh, front row motorsports, Michael McDowell. Now, obviously Michael McDowell, what? And Todd Gillum. Well, I'm saying he's the reason I'm mentioning him in the standings. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. He, um, he won a race at the Indy road course, which was really, I think the, the moment of his career in a lot of ways, because that was more impressive than the Daytona 500 and, um, finished 15th in points, respectable. Um, certainly, however, you know, they didn't really, they, they kind of disappeared in the playoffs and to the point where it really affected his season overall, because he actually declined in top tens. He had four fewer top tens than last year. And his average finish went from 16.7 to 19.0. And I think that was largely a lot of, you know, just the, the, the end there, the end of the season, they just kind of ran out of steam, I guess. I don't know. Um, let's see in the playoffs. Uh, he had two top tens, no top fives. He had a sixth at Bristol and he finished ninth at Phoenix, but he had one, two, three, four, five, six finishes in the playoffs outside the top 20. Ugh, that's, I mean, that's, that's disappointing considering how competitive they were for so much of the year. You know, um, I mean, even, even points wise, very late in the regular season, they were 15th in points. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like that they, they kind of almost plateaued or something like we'd continue, we'd seen continued improvement from them. And yes, you know, again, it's weird to say that, you know, they, they went backwards a little bit because he did win that road course, but that playoffs, you know, they, they, they just sort of just lost their edge at the end of the year. I don't know. And then Todd Gilliland, um, you know, he had sort of that weird disjointed season where he did have to go to Rick Ware at times, uh, because Zane Smith, you know, they put in that car for some sponsorship reasons, but Gilliland still, even with, even with the Rick Ware races included in his average finish, he still improved his average finish and he doubled his number of, uh, top tens from last year to, from two to four. So it feels like Gilliland is, is still, you know, building, um, you know, he only had four DNFs. You know, you, you feel like he, he needs to take another step forward, but I think he's getting a well-deserved uh, third year at, for a front row. Yeah, I mean, Michael McDowell in that 34 team for much of the year was a surprise. They were just running very, very well, consistently running in the top 10, top 15, maximizing their performance on a weekly basis to where they were in the playoff conversation even without that win in Indianapolis. But then to go to Indianapolis – on a road course and to beat everybody convincingly. They didn't back into this. They didn't, this was no fluke. This was a straight up butt kicking and to beat Chase Elliott on a road course like that in the manner they did that to me, what, regardless, whatever else happened the rest of the year, like that, that just made their year and they deserve all the, the, the kudos for that. Really impressed with what this team did. It certainly wasn't easy. And I think you made a great point when you say they just kind of lost steam uh, in the playoffs. Like, you know, they, they got into a racket, Darlington, not their own doing. They got swept up in somebody else's uh, incident at Darlington, and that put them on their back foot. 
Um, same thing happened at K- Kansas. They just they didn't execute well. They got caught up in another thing. And then, you know, going into Bristol, they were just like almost in a must-win mode. That's a really hard spot for this team to be in. But they went there. They ran six. And then after that, it was just like the deflated, like, ah, oh, cra- you know, our season's kind of shot. Because really the goal for this team was we just want to get out the first round. Like that was the goal. I mean, the, everybody had said that with an organization. They had never accomplished that before. And it didn't happen. And that, that's tough. And I get that. That's a stomach punch to deal with. But there's a really a lot of things to be happy with if you're that 34 team. Michael is a guy who you we we know what he can do. Like you give him good cars, he's gonna go win races. He's gonna he's gonna make the most out of it. And new crew chief this year and a first crew chief, Travis Peterson, who, who really showed his skill level. Like there's a lot of positives to take from this, even though maybe the season didn't end they want to. Um, and overall, yeah, I mean, Todd Gillen, second year, made big progress, certainly deserve show that he deserves a third year with that organization. He's going to have to continue to make that progress for sure. But you look at what he did, especially at the beginning of the year, um, he was really running well, running consistently in a tough situation where you're getting bounced around. And you, you go into Daytona, he didn't have anything necessarily set up. Like, you know, it was like kind of a scramble mode. Um, but he did it, and he did a good job. Has to qualify a little bit better. Has to do a better job of starting the week out stronger. Um, but there was a lot of positives to take from this. In front row, they built something there. And in this age of where the the smaller mid-sized team, if you can you can get the right people in the mix and you can kind of hit on something, you have an opportunity to do it. They showed that this year. This team is continuing to make strides and to continuing to build really a, a, a big gold star for that team and what they were able to accomplish across the board. Next up, speaking of uh, losing steam at the end of the season, was uh, J- JTG Doherty and uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., obviously a single-car team. They win the Daytona 500, and for much of the year, he is in the top 16 in points anyway. And it's like, wow, okay, this is really impressive here. Um I think it just at the Daytona regular season finale, he ended up 17th in points for the regular yep. season. Um, but other than that, he would have made it on points anyway, uh, which is really a huge step up. But then um, the playoffs start. And, and by the way, even, even with this bad playoffs that I'm about to talk about, his average finish from last year took a full five position gain. So that is really impressive. He had four more uh, top tens than last year. Nine top tens, which is his most since 2017. Uh, really, the second best year of his of Stenhouse's career um, overall when you look at the numbers. But then the playoffs happen. Unfortunately, they end with six straight finishes of 19th or worse to close the playoffs. Just completely, just it. They couldn't get out of their own way. It it just it all fell apart. Um, but you know, they again, it was a, it was a year to build on. Um, Stenhouse said at Phoenix that one of their major focuses for next year is going to be qualifying because mm-hmm. this year he ranked 25th in the series, uh, in average starting position. He, he, he started his average qualifying position was 21.8. Um, so he was gaining, he, he ended up gaining four spots per race on average, but he was always starting behind. So Stenhouse said our, our bad races are better and our good races are better. But if we brought up that qualifying average, we can take another step forward, uh, which again, you, if you're starting on the back foot, you know, it's, you're making it harder on yourself to get stage points. Um, you're, you're potentially getting in, you know, it, it, as hard as it is to pass, you're, you're at a huge deficit in general. And you're having to rely on all sorts of, you know, strategy or, or great pit stops or 
finding track position somehow. Um, so, but again, overall, I would say a successful year for, for JTG. Very, very successful year. It didn't end how they wanted it to, but there is nothing you can point at this season and say this wasn't a success because it, they did. They obviously won Daytona, which you win Daytona, it's going to change the complexion of the year. But this was a level of consistency and performance from driver and team that we have never seen before. The knock on Ricky Senos Jr. is what? He drives too aggressively, makes too many mistakes, costs his team too many chances. What did he do during the regular season? And that was the big onus was Ricky needs to be better. Ricky needs to take what the car is and, and finish. If he's got a 10th place car, finish 10th. Don't try to finish 8th, just finish 10th. And he did that. And it worked. And it really did for them. It, it's, it's a formula that a lot of teams need to do. It's just take what it gives you and don't try to do too much. And for the regular season, the consistency they had was so impressive. We've never seen that from Stenhouse before. We have never seen that from JTG before. And this team, um, I, I was impressed. I mean, it's just it was a level that was like we've been waiting for to see this from Ricky for a long time. This is the guy who came in the Cup Series two time Xfinity Series champion was supposed great things were expected of him, and it hasn't happened. And and more than anything, he's a guy that you look at and what you know he makes mistakes. He he isn't doesn't always cost himself good finishes because he'll, he'll do something silly. That wasn't the case this year, um, and unfortunately for him. You know, come the playoffs, though, the, their execution went by the wayside. You know, they had issues on pit row. They sped a little bit. Um, Ricky tried to do a little too much. And the, the formula that they had for the first 26 races wasn't in place for the final 10, and that cost them. And that's, that's too bad. But there is so much to build upon here um, that if they can continue to do this and Ricky can continue to, to do deliver like he delivered this year – Mike Kelly's a really good crew chief. You know, we, we joke that he's the Ricky whisperer, but he showed it. And that team, it's restructuring behind the scenes. Well, you know, it's it, the onus now is going to be on them to continue to build off this. And that's really hard for these, te- you know, these teams, these mid-level to do is how do you continue to grow and get better? But at least you could see that they had the pieces there to do it this year. And uh, it's, it's really hard to quibble with the year they had. Up next is college racing. Uh, even though they, you know, Almendinger won the Roval, but this is not uh, the year that colleague was looking no. for. Um, this, there's a couple numbers that jump out to me when we're talking about college racing. So this was obviously Almendinger's return to full-time cup racing for the first time since 2018, but he had run a half season last year, Jordan. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? In this full season, he had fewer top tens than he had running a half season in cup last year. Uh, mm-hmm. He had eight last year, top 10, seven this year. His average finish compared to that half season went down by uh, over four spots. Uh, they just, you know, we, we picked him to make the playoffs because we thought he was going to win a road course. He did, but it was just too the late. wrong time of the year. <laughs> yeah. And it just, they were just not, they were just not competitive. Now, another weird one here is Justin Haley. Um, he obviously, announces in July that he is going to Rick Ware racing because in part he could see the writing on the wall that he was going to need to bring money to colleague or he was going to be without a ride. So he went to a multi-year deal at Rick Ware. Um, unfortunately that was a, the end of his season essentially at colleague because here's what happened. So that Monday, you'll remember that the New Hampshire race was rained out. Um, in, in mid July, right. He finished on that Monday, 
17th, which was his 11th top 20 finish of the year to that point. He was 21st in points. Justin Haley. I mean, this was, he was having a really solid year for what we thought of, you know, his chances going in. It was, it was impressive. He was stringing together some good results. Well, for the rest of the year, he then announces that week, I'm going to Rick Ware. For the rest of the year, he only had two top 20 finishes the rest of the entire season. After he had 11 to that point, and he tumbles all the way to 26th in points. Um, highly forgettable uh, end to his tenure there. Did not go well, and um, it, it ended up costing him. Uh, his average finish you know, last year was 18.4. And you thought, wow, this guy's really, and, and he finished 22nd in points. You're like, this guy's building on something. And then once that was announced, dropped off a cliff, average finish declined. Um, he ended up still with t- more top tens than he had uh, a career high with six, but, uh, colleague, um, they're, they're searching for answers at this point. And we still haven't officially heard, um, all their plans, I guess, as, as a recording of this podcast, but, um, we're, we're looking for reasons to be optimistic, but not seeing a whole, a whole lot at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck on that search. Um, I, I expected more out of colleague this year. I thought they were doing a really good job of kind of making steady incremental steps. And I thought bringing AJ Allmendinger in this year was going to really lift them up. Even if they couldn't win a race, I thought AJ was going to do well enough to be a factor in the points. And he was. I mean, until mid-August, he was in the playoff conversation and had a, a had a path to make the playoffs on points. And then you can question the decision you want to go to Road American Race and over, you know, putting a a focus on qualifying at Richmond and whatever. It, they just never hit on it. They they started the gate slow. They did not have speed on intermediate racetracks. They just lacked speed. It was a struggle to figure that out. It took them a while. Once they started to figure it out, they were kind of buried a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned Justin Haley, and I, it's a curious thing because you, you hear teams all the time say, no, we're not going to change our focus. So we're going to continue to, you know, this we're going to continue to focus on this team the rest of the year, blah, blah, blah. Even though changes are coming, the numbers bear otherwise. And that that's unfortunate. Um, there's a stating grace here is that AJ was able to win the race of the Roble, and that does change the complexion of the year. Um, and it shows like, hey, you guys are good enough to do this. You guys are good enough to build competitive race cars. You know, and his run at Olmstead, I think, too, is impressive. And it shows like this team, like you can see it. You can see the flashes of why we, you know, you think they can do some great things, but the consistency consistency isn't there. And when you're a small team and you get behind, it's really hard to play catch up in the middle of the year. It's really hard. It didn't help that they got caught up in that penalty stuff as well. Um, with the louvers and everything else and all of that stuff. And it was a tough year. And you we, we, you know, going into next year, it's – explain – I know we don't want to talk about 24, but, like, I don't know how you can't talk about colleague racing and not look ahead to 24. Explain to me if I'm a colleague racing fan, if I'm looking for reason for optimism, why 2024 is going to be better than 2023. Because, frankly, I don't see it. That would be talk about one of the bigger shocks if they improved. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, I, I just don't like, see that right now, but I don't see it. Like how, like I no offense to Daniel Hemrick and let's just, let's just presume it's Ty Dillon. Let's just hypothetically pick a name out of the blue and say it's Ty Dillon. Like how is that going to give you 
a better lineup. Like Hamrick is fine. Hamrick is fine, but I, he's not going to go in races. He's not going to, and he's not going to pull out a win out of his hat somewhere. Like at least Almondinger gives you a fighting chance to get a win. And Justin Haley is a young talent who you can build around and is showing like if you give him good race cars, he knows what to do with them. And he doesn't make mistakes. You look at his numbers, like he doesn't make he doesn't crash. He doesn't tear up his equipment. He does a good job of of keeping his car in peace, which as a small team is what you want. Because you're not having to spend money to fix them. And you're bringing in a I just I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Spire is next on the list with Corey LaJoy. Your facial reactions, by the way, are amazing. Why? What am I? What am I doing? It was just—it's just great. If you're listening to this in the audio version, please go back and just take the video clip of the the colleague of of Jeff because his facial reactions are fantastic. I just don't know <laughs> what to say. I mean, you can't. Yeah. All right, um, Corey LaJoy, twenty fifth. Um, he speaking of people that don't tear up their equipment. Uh, he went the entire season plus the clash and the duel and the all-star open without any DNFs at all. The racing experts had noted that that makes him just the 15th driver in cup series history to finish every race. And only the fifth since 2017 when the crash clock came into, into play. Um, we, you know, it's easy to look at LaJoy sometimes and think, Oh, is he really stacking pennies? Is he really improving? Yes. Yes, he is. If you look at his average finish, once again, he's yeah. taken a step up for the, let's see, one, let's say one, two, three, four, fifth year in a row. He has topped his average finish over the previous season, uh, all the way up to 20.8 this year. Last year was 24.3. So, um, a, a significant jump. He had career highs in top fives with two, uh, with in top tens with three. And, um, Spire is obviously on the move. We'll, we'll save that conversation till uh, next year's preview, but they're on the rise. He is continuing there. And, um, you know, look, when you finish every race, um, that is, that's an achievement itself. I mean, that's very hard to do. Um, you know, mechanical, not getting caught up in wrecks, not making stupid moves, whatever it is. I mean, that's, that's impressive right there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there was another Spire car this year, easy to forget at times, but Ty Dillon also raced for the team this year. And look, by all accounts, Ty Dillon, I've never heard anybody say Ty Dillon's a jerk. Ty Dillon's not a nice guy, but wow. he had one of the most forgettable, miserable seasons in the entire modern era. I would say, um, just, just really bad. It just did not go well for them at all. Um, and even by Ty Dillon, I mean, so he, his average finish was 27.5 worse than the series of people that competed full time His qualifying average, uh, 31.9 also lowest, but those are that number, like the 27.5, even those years are like Jermaine racing, stuff like that way. This is way down from that. I mean, he finished, he's finished 24th in points a couple times. Um, he was 32nd in points this year. Um, nothing really positive at all. I mean, not even a top 10 to, to get excited about, um, just, uh, it just, it just, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I'm not sure what you say. He was the only full-time driver without a top 10 all year. Um, he doesn't tear up equipment. That's good. 
I, I guess. I mean, he was, he only had 17 lead lap finishes. So he, less than half of the, sorry, 15 lead lap finishes. That was Harrison Burton's number 17, 15 lead lap finishes. So, um, yeah, I guess he, you know, on a positive note, as you said, he only had six DNFs, but, uh, I don't know, man, that was, that was, uh, and, and, you know, we, we had asked at some point, like, so is, and people talk about this. Well, is LaJoy getting better stuff? Is he like have a better package? No, apparently they had the exact same equipment, the exact same engines and stuff all year. Uh, just one team, you know, imp- improved and performed. One didn't, you know, you, it's, 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 you hate to say that about somebody, you know, they didn't, they didn't get it done, but this is a professional sport. You got to judge it off the stats. Their, their numbers were not good. I, I just don't know what else to say about it. It's, it just was, uh, especially when we're talking about comparing to your teammates, it, it just, it wasn't a good year. No, I mean, there's not much more to say than that. I'll just say it was an odd hire when they made the hire to bring Ty Dillon in. I understand why they did it, but it was questionable why they did it, or it was questionable hire to begin with. And nothing that unfolded in 2023 um, made me think otherwise. And, you know, we'll see. Next year's going to be really telling. You know, when you bring in Zane Smith, when you bring in Carson Osovar, that that should make that 77 program and really Spire as a whole because um, they're adding a third car better. We'll see. Corey LaJoy, tremendous year. Great year. Could have even been a better year, honestly, because qualifying was a big problem for this team this year. They had one of the worst average starting positions. Um, their qualifying was a huge problem from this year. Too often they would start races in the back and they have to work their way forward. That's really hard when you're racing in a, a, a car and an aero package where it's hard to pass and track position matters so much and everybody's got the same stuff largely. Um, that really, it, that it, you're, you're really have you're, you're facing an uphill climb, but a lot of weeks though they they figured it out, um, and then they even had races too that should have been better. Bristol night race comes to mind. Corey qualifies really well that race, racing well, you know, winning, running in the top ten, um, and, and just got it. You know, you just gotta you gotta take what it gives you a little bit. And sometimes there's a little bit of over eagerness there. Sometimes a little bit of mistakes, but that team really overall has a lot to be proud of. Ryan Sparks did a good job, um, crew chief there, underrated, building fast race cars and building that team up and. Next year's gonna let's let's continue to see this. Let's see what that happens. But you're looking at the results of 2023. There's a lot to a lot to be proud of. Next up is Legacy Motor Club. Would you be surprised, Jordan, to learn that Legacy Motor Club had the same average finish this season as Spire Motorsports, 24.1 for both. And that's it, that includes all of Legacy's drivers. That, yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because I mean the 77 was really bad. So like, and Eric Jones, if you look at his average finish this year, was right around 20, 20, 20.7, 20.4. Yeah. 20.4. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Off point three. Um, and this is off the top of my head, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Eric ran really, really well. Like, I mean, so it doesn't surprise me because, and the, and the 42 car at times, you know, I I, I was thinking, I was thinking that that would be, I was thinking it was a surprise in the reverse way. Wouldn't you think that, Legacy Motor Club would have a higher average finish than Spire? No, you wouldn't think that? No, because, Gre- I mean, Gregson was not good. Like, Gregson's numbers were bad. Like, yeah. they were really, I mean, I, he was second or third of the dives. At, at the time, he was, he parted ways with the team. 
He was second or third uh, from the bottom of guys who ran full time in points. Well, he like, had a worse. Was, let's just say he had a worse average finish than Ty Dillon this season. Yeah, like it was not Noah good. Gregson's like the results were average finish like, was twenty eight point two. Even be, even before he did what he did, there was a reason that Noah Gregson was likely on his way out because the performance wasn't there. It was not a good fit, and all of that. Um, so no, I mean, it, but you know, it's they're a weird team to gauge because they're one of those teams. You look at the forty three car some weeks, and you're like, damn, they're they're on it. Like they're running really really well. Um, consistency wise, that wasn't there. Um, and when they did have race fast race cars, they 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 still made too many mistakes. Um, they, they, this was a, and it's tough because this was a team very much in transition this year. It's almost you kind of got to give them a little bit of a pass because. You got a new ownership group coming in and new ideas, a lot of behind the scene changes and all of that. And then on top of it, you announce you're switching manufacturers. Now you're not necessarily getting a whole lot from Chevrolet to begin with, but still like you're now, whatever you were getting, it's sure a hell of a lot less. And now you're going, you know, you're bringing, you're going into Toyota and there's a lot that goes into that. And so this is just a, this was a team in transition. And so it's really hard to, it's almost like if you're going to give them a letter grade, it'd almost be incomplete. Because then you throw in the fact that we had to make a driver change because a guy, you know, did something stupid on social media and those kind of things. It's just hard. Like we know what Eric Jones can do. We know if you give him good equipment, he can go up and run well. And it, and Dave Allen is a, such an underrated crew chief. Like I don't think people realize how great of a crew chief he is in terms of track position and knowing how to get track position and building fast race cars. But this was a tough team. Um, we'll see what they can do next year. You know, bringing in a John Hernimacek is certainly a, a, an upgrade, and but there's a lot that has to go into this. I think they're going to be better off going forward, but it was hard to get through this year at times for that organization. Yeah, Eric Jones ends up uh, with the worst average finish of his of his career, even worse than uh, 2021, which is not a good year for him. Uh, did have one more top five and one more top ten uh, this year than in that year, but. Um, they did definitely picked up the performance. I mean, you look at when Jones, you know, he was third in the Kansas playoff race, got a top 10 at Darlington, uh, in the Southern 500. Um, and he said, you know, at Phoenix, he said, we lost a handful of our tools that we had early in the season after our announcements and we had to go on our own. So, yeah. um, they had to rely on their notes and kind of go old school a little bit cause they weren't getting that support. And, um, you should definitely anticipate an improvement for them next year, I would think. And, and, you know, Hosevar came in and certainly, um, was an improvement over what Gregson had been doing in his, in his eight races. He fell off a little bit toward the end, but I mean, his average finish, Hosevar's average finish, uh, was a 23.1 in his eight races versus the 28.2 for Gregson. And, um, Hosevar, I mean, you know, you were for a while there, those first, well, he ended up, the, the last four races were not so good, but um, you know, he goes 17th, 20th, 11th, 16th in his first four races with legacy. You're like, Whoa, where did this come from? This, I mean, those were all in the playoffs too. That was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, then he had two crashes. He got into it at Martinsville. Um, and, uh, Phoenix was just okay. He was just trying to stay under the radar. I think at, at that point in Phoenix after, after the truck race. But, um, <laughs> anyway, you know, uh, they, they, they definitely took a step up in, in, in performance at the end of the season, the last, certainly in the playoffs, but, um, yeah, as a whole overall, um, a forgettable one for, for legacy. So that leaves us now with, uh, I believe Harrison Burton 
which you could really lump in the Wood Brothers with Penske since they are Penske car. But um, this is an, another uh, person with that, you know, he look, he's getting another year. So, um, you know, that's great for him. But it, it was not a not a good year. Um, took a step back in average finish down um, almost two full spots. Uh, had a couple top tens, no top fives. And, you know, again, that is, that is a Penske prepared car. Yes, it's the Wood Brothers, but that is essentially out of the Penske shop. So you need to see more out of that. Now, it, again, though, they obviously saw enough to bring him back. So, uh, but, you know, a Penske car won the championship. And it, so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really know what you do with that information. But Harrison Burton, um, aside from Ty Dillon, when you look at full-time drivers, um, had, you know, some of the you know, tied for the fewest top fives, obviously he had zero, um, second fewest top tens, only 25 laps led second worst, um, average finish. So just, yeah, they just, uh, I don't, I, he, it seems like either, well, I would have said it this year, you've got to take a step up in performance or his, his tenure is not gonna be very long, but they went backwards this year. He he gets another year. So I would still think though that next year he's really got to take a step up. Yeah, I mean year three is going to be critically important for Harrison Burton and whether he gets a year four and, and whether you know especially with a team like Penske and let's just for, let's just say this is a Penske team. You everybody knew going in that this was a building long term building project that Harrison probably was getting jumped to the Cup Series quicker than he probably needed to should be, and that this was a building project and it there were. It was a struggle at the beginning of the year. They had flashes. They'd had races where they ran well, and the finishes went by the wayside for various reasons. Taldega mentioned that. Um, and they just they couldn't string together good races. And they couldn't, when they did have good spray, good head, good head, they had good speed. It was a problem of finishing well. Jeremy Bullens comes over, they make a crew chief change. He comes in for Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson goes over to Austin Sindrick. That should help a little bit. Pairing a rookie driver with a rookie crew chief is always a tough thing. Um, I think Jeremy Bullens is going to do is a good fit there. Jeremy has, has really done a good job with young drivers. He did a good job with Blaney, uh, for example. Let's see what they can do. Um, it, it's a struggle, and it they have got to better. They've got to be better. Um, you didn't see the step up. I mean, when you have a worse average finish and you have a worse start, you know, at starting position than you had the year before, um, that's not good. Um, but it doesn't help when your organization is struggling. Like, you know, Austin Sindrick also took a step back in the same equipment. And so, and when you've got, you know, when Joy Logano struggles, it, it shows you that the equipment there isn't to the level it needed to be. But even then the driver's got to be better. There's no reason they should be where they are in points that that can't be year three is, I won't say it's make or break, but it kind of feels like it's make or break in some levels. I mean, this might be, uh, an unfair comparison, but you know, you give Matt to Bened- Matt to Benedetto the boot after a second yep. year, um, in which he was, you know, competitive. I mean, he, the, he had 20 combined top five, sure. top tens, uh, in his two made years, the playoffs the one Brothers, year. made the playoffs once. Um, his average finish was even in the last year that he was ousted was 16.9. Um, he had three top fives in each of those years. So, you know, again, two years now at the Wood Brothers for Harrison Burton. And again, he's a young driver, but one top five finish and four top tens to show for it in two seasons. Um, you know, again, like 
you had somebody in that car that you said was not good enough, right? Like, yeah, no. he didn't bring sponsorship either, but like, no, this guy's not getting it done. And you know, he's gone. Well, what? I mean, it was never a performance thing with Matt. Like I'm not trying to make excuses, but Matt's thing was twofold. You mentioned the sponsorship thing. And then let's be honest, there was the personality part of it too. Like the fit and on both of those things, he didn't, he, he didn't work. And so, yeah, I mean, but he did show what that team is capable of and what they can do. And that's the thing. And like, if this is, this is the, the bar of what this team is capable of is, is, is being in the mix of the playoffs. They certainly have fallen short the last two years. The last team I believe to discuss is Rick Ware racing. But uh, no, not going to do live fast. Oh, live fast. Yeah. Sorry. Forgot about live fast. My apologies. That's all right. live fast. Um, well, let's talk about Rick race, Rick Ware racing first. Cause I have their stats up. <laughs> um, so they didn't have any full-time drivers this year. JJ Yaley came the closest. He made 26 starts. They ended up using 12 different drivers, um, for their two cars. Um, Yaley's average finish was 27th, um, in his 26 races. So, um, as much as we're talking about, wow, Ty Dillon was, you know, really bad and all that stuff. I mean, uh, the Rick Ware cars were pretty much right down there. Um, they had two combined top tens the entire season for all their drivers. One was Riley Herbst and one was Yaley. So, um, you know, Rick Ware obviously is, is going to try to take a step up now, um, with, uh, with hiring Justin Haley, uh, full time. They, they, they had Cody Ware in the car. Then he has the domestic violence incident and, uh, he's gone after seven races, but he was going to have a miserable season. It looked like as well. Um, so, you know, they really never hit on anybody. I mean, out of all the drivers that were in their car this year, Jensen Button had the best average finish for them. Uh, no, I take that back. Riley Herbst, actually. Riley Herbst, then Jensen Button. So, um, but I think the Riley Herbst cars were Stuart Haas prepared, obviously. But yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Rick Ware, they, they've got room to improve. Yeah, I mean, they do have room to improve. And it's, and it's a hard team to grade because kind of like legacy, this was a transition year for them. Like where what they're doing on the racetrack this year is part of a bigger plan. Um, there was moments this year where you felt like the pieces they were, the things they were doing, you could see it kind of coming together a little bit and they've gotten better. Like let's just, they have gotten better. They still have a lot of room to improve, but you know, there was times this year, like Cole Custer got in the, in one of their cars at New Hampshire, for example, was running top 20 lap times and was running and you know, solidly was positioned to get a good finish and makes a mistake and gets in the wall. And so, you know, it's tough because, you know, they, they, they partner with RFK racing, they move over to their headquarters there. There's a tight alliance. They're getting a little bit of support from Ford. Um, you know, you can see what they're doing, but this year it just, there was a little bit of flashes here and there. It's, it's just, they, it wasn't to the level that you want to see. There's a lot of room for improvement, no doubt, but I will say going forward, it, it looks promising, but I think bringing in a Justin Haley is a huge thing. I think that really, really positions that team in a, in a good way. It gives them a driver to build around and it helps to when you know who your driver is going to be uh, you know, every single week and you're not rotating and mixing and matching guys. Chemistry can be a little overblown at times, but there's something to it. And when you've got a driver in there and a talented driver like that, who, you know, can get the job done that that's going to help, but there there's certainly steps to be taken over there. You mentioned live fast as I almost forgot them. 
Um, <clears throat> oh, could you he, forget about Live Fast? Well, they're not going to yeah. really exist in its current form after this podcast or, you know, next year, I guess. But um, <clears throat> BJ McLeod uh, ends up running the bulk of the races, 23 races, 29.5 average finish, which is actually down uh, from his last two seasons. Really nothing to get too excited about there. Um, as an organization, they had Anthony Alfredo in for a couple races. They had Josh Balicki in for 10. His average finish was uh, lower than BJ McLeod's. Sheldon Creed in for one race. Uh, they had overall, no matter how you look at it, they were the lowest of all the teams, lower than Rick Ware Racing in terms of stats, performance. Uh, and they end up selling their charter for a lot. Um, and BJ is not, he's not cashing out cause he's still going to be around, but certainly, um, he is, uh, making out good off of their investment. You would think the, the investment that he and Matt Tift, uh, had put into that. So, uh, that's good for him. You know, hopefully it allows him to do some other things, uh, where he can be a little bit more competitive cause they just never, I don't know if they were hoping that the next gen would really be even that much more of a playing field where they could just, you know, not have to worry about, um, you know, it it would almost take care of their performance for them in some ways where they Mm -hmm. could really, but they never, they never were able to, to get that uh, accomplished. Yeah. And BJ kind of said that much uh, a few weeks ago when he met with the media and that, you know, just, this was a tough slog and it was, it didn't come together kind of like they were hoping for, you know, you look at the numbers this year, a lot of DNFs um, because of mechanical failures, which tells you that that that's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's tough for a team like this to, to get through each and every race. You know, it's, it's unfortunate because BJ is a character. BJ is one of those guys who you think if he could get in the right situation, might be able to do something. And there was a belief there of, Hey, let's, let's grow this slowly, but it just never came together. They, they wanted it to, um, be interesting to see what BJ does next and, and what the next what the next phase of his career looks like. Um, it's you wanted to see this team succeed because of the blueprint. Like, you know, these blue collar guys, they're they're fighting to get this together. They're they're putting together this small team and they're gonna grow. Sometimes these things just don't work, and sometimes these fairy tales don't have the endings that you want. And that's certainly the case. And that's that's the reality right now with this team. All right. So we've reached the end of the team thing. We've gone through every team. Let's give our let's give an award, a fictional award, for organization of the year. That criteria is up to you. Uh, you can make whatever you want out of it. Organization of the year. Uh, it could be, maybe it's a team like RFK, which rose up and had a better year than people expected. Maybe it's a team like Hendrick that had the most wins. Maybe it's a team like Joe Gibbs Racing that had the best overall performance among its drivers you know, a four car team like that. Um, <clears throat> do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Oh no, I'm gonna let you go first. Cause I, I mean, I think I know I'm going to go in the direction I'm going to go. And this is a really, really tough category because you can make a case for at least three teams. And I could even say maybe four. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, it, it's again, it's, it, the criteria is up to you. However, my team of the year is Joe Gibbs racing. So sure. you had the regular season champion. Yep. You had, they, they did have a final four participant. You had three cars, which, you know, up until sort of the end, you could have made a case for them being championship worthy. I mean, you, you would have expected Truex to come back up. And then you had the fourth car, despite being a rookie, 
had a really, really good season and won rookie of the year. So when I'm looking at the entire strength of the organization, the entire picture, um, which again, it's not just a two car team, but a big team, uh, which was really talking about winning races, being contenders on a weekly basis. You felt like you had to go through, through all their cars essentially in some weeks. I'm going with Joe Gibbs racing. They get the nod over Hendrick, despite not having the same number of wins because Hendrick to me with their two drivers going winless, um, and not having the same performance as the other two, I'm not just going to say, give it to the organization as a whole, because two of them sort of carried the rest of the team. That's, that's my logic. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't argue with that. I I was going to go with, I'm looking at it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to piece this together here. Uh, I will say RFK, even though it's two cars versus whatever, they had the best average finish. Yeah. They had a better average finish than any other team. So there's a case there. There's a case. And honestly, I think if Brad would have won a race, Brad not winning a race is the difference maker there. Like if Brad wins a race, like, okay, I can, I can do that. Him not winning a race is tough to do. Uh, I mean, part of me, I mean, they're not, they're in consideration. I would say like 2311 racing deserves a nod for what Bubba and Tyler did this year. Um, I don't want to put them as my organization here. I'm going to go with Hendrick though. I I know that's going to sound weird, but they did get 10 wins. I know that came from two drivers, but at the end of the day, consistently, the guys who the, the the first two the first and second in wins were both Hendrick drivers. First and second in laps led were Hendrick drivers. You throw in Chase Elliott's really good average finish this year, um, and the fact um, and that the nine team made it to the final eight. Yeah, like it wasn't a typical dominant. It didn't feel like at time at earlier this year it felt like Hendrick was never going to lose, and it definitely subsided. They also put two drivers in the championship four. Like you start looking at this, I just don't know who else was better. There's got you could make a case for JGR saying they're remaining at the same level, but the wins, the laps led, are the difference for me. Um, it's but again, like I, I don't feel good about that because I feel like I can make a case for a lot, you know, a few different organizations, and I think JGR is certainly deserving of that as well. I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, you make really good points. You make really good points. I might be yeah, able to just, there's there, but, no, you know. usually it's pretty clear cut. Like it's usually pretty clear cut. Like you like, Oh man. And I think if bell could have won another race or led more laps this year, kind of had the year we thought he would, or maybe Ty slips into victory lane. Like that would have been the, that would have been a difference as well, but it's just, Oh man, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm talking myself out of Hendrick now, but I, so it, it's hard. Yeah. Very interesting to think about. All right. Well, that wraps up that. And uh, now, Jordan, we we have a special request for all our listeners if you've made it to the end of this podcast, because it's looking like as of now, our final episode, which is going to be in two weeks. I'm, I'm on vacation next week. Jordan will be in Nashville, still working. I'm checking out. Um, Good for you. So, uh, oh, you, I was, I was setting you up to say, oh, like I'm the one that works hard. I'm, you just got off of vacation. I can't, I can't say that. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't going to, I can't say that all. No, man, it's the off season. You deserve to recharge. Okay. Well, that wasn't what I was fishing for. I was fishing for a troll comment from you, but you surprised me there anyway. Um, so yeah. Okay. So we're going to, we would like to end this, the the season, uh, end the year as we did last year with our listener mailbag. We had a great fun episode 
last year to end things that sat there in, in the feed for all holiday season and, and is our most listened to podcast ever still, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so uh, let's do that again. The, we would like you to submit questions uh, via email if possible so I can just kind of keep keep track of them. Um, my email address is jgluck, J-G-L-U-C-K, at theathletic.com. Send in your questions, and uh, we will try to do the best ones. Uh, you know, we're not going to get to every question. We'll, you know, probably pick, I don't know, maybe 15 to 20 or something. We'll try to go a couple hours to send it off in style or something uh, in a couple weeks here. But, um, yeah, that'll be the plan. That'll be the finale of the season. And uh, we can recap if anything fun, exciting happens in Nashville. We can recap that as well. Jordan can fill us in. In a couple weeks. So until then, Jordan, any any final thoughts or anything? Nope. Uh, great chat with you. I always love doing this. And uh, I look forward to doing the mailbag. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great questions. Yeah, Last year, I would, questions. I, yeah. I would expect that we're going to probably get some good ones uh, this year uh, this year too. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. You guys have a lot of good, good things on your mind. And uh, again, I'm not putting this out on Twitter. I'm just trying to make this for our listeners only, which is why I just mentioned it here at the end of the episode. So if you listen this long, you are, you must be one of our true loyal listeners. So send us a, a question again. My email is jgluck, J G L U C K at theathletic.com. All right, everybody. Um, well, as always, thanks again for listening and we will talk to you next time on the table. See you in a couple weeks. <laughs>